Now, this is a season where it's really good to see you in church. Amen. Because many people are flying everywhere. Our DSP with some people, they are in Israel right now. So pray for them uh, to enjoy the entire journey with no harm and no bombs dropping on them. We also want to remember those who are overseas. Maybe they are tuning in online. But it's so good to see you. It's so good to be in this season. This is the Christmas season. And in December, we will see more and more lights everywhere, right? Especially in December, we see in Orchard Road. Uh, all the lightings will come. There was a story about this. Uh, in December, normally everybody tries to take leave. So there's this... Uh, this couple, they were working in a factory and they tried to take leave and many people were taking leave, they couldn't take off. Lah. So, end of the year. So, the lady said, you know what? I have a way to let the boss let me go off. So, he said, how are you going to do it? He said, watch. Lah. So, before the boss came into the room, he hang, she hung herself upside down. And then the boss said, what are you doing? He said, I'm a light bulb, I'm a light bulb. So the boss said, wow, you have been working so hard. You are going crazy. You should take off. Go, go, go. Go back and rest today. So she left. But when she was leaving, the guy followed. Then the boss said, I let her off, not you, no? He said, yeah, but no more light. How to work? It's in the dark. <laughs> you know, we have many excuses, but this is the season where we want to be the light. Amen? You know, the Bible says in John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You know, in the context when Jesus was saying this, the temple was lit up during the Feast of Tabernacle when Jesus was entering inside and the whole temple was lit up in the midst of Jerusalem. He said, I am the light of the world. Praise God that we have a God who is the light of the world. But today we want to remember in the season of Advent that this is the, the wish of Advent as you know, most of us uh, who do not grow up in a traditional service in St. Andrew's Cathedral, when I was serving there, they would have candles. Every week, there will be a candle that will be lit up, and it represents something. And the first candle is a candle of hope. This, this week, right, they will lit up the second candle, and it is the candle of peace. And as I was reflecting on this, I was thinking to myself how apt it is to talk about peace right now. Maybe some of you have heard the news, you know, 377A is being repealed and then the definition of marriage is held fast too. But in the midst of all the debates and all the rhetorics, I realize that this is the time when we need peace the most. Amen? This is the time when everybody is looking for real peace, true peace that only comes from God. And today we want to remember as we walk the streets of Orchard Road or wherever you are, as you begin to see the light, we must remember that God himself is the light and he calls us to be the light. And that's what I want to talk about today. G.K. Chesterton says this. He said that God is like the sun. You cannot look at it, but without it, you cannot look at anything else. Isn't it interesting? God is like the sun. You can't really look at it, but without it, you cannot look at anything else. You know, when I was in Mongolia, we loved the sunrise. And this is a picture I took in Mongolia. Beautiful sunrise. But when the, you know, we always say the egg come out already. <laughs> when the egg come out already, it is hard to look at the sun. So you have to look through a screen or you look through your camera. 
And the Bible says this in John chapter 12, verse 36. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. So, friends, today we are here as we celebrate the season of Advent and remember how God has come upon this earth. We must remember that God has called us to be the light, to be the light. You know, in Mongolia, other than looking at sunrise, we love the night. How many of you have been to some beautiful place where there's no city lights and then in the nighttime you can see the stars? Raise your hand. Right? Many of you have experienced that. And in Mongolia, it's the same. When we are out in the desert, when we're out in the grassland, at night it is beautiful. It is beautiful. And uh, I remember most of the time when we are out there resting, they would say, look for the North Star. I say, what is the North Star? How to look at the North Star? They say, the brightest one. So I say, hey, I spotted the North Star. <laughs> and I was looking at it. The North Star started to move. No? Then I say, is it a shooting star? But shooting star cannot be moving so slow, right? Suddenly I realized my friend told me, that's an aeroplane. <laughs> that's not the North Star. <laughs> you know, it's moving. I say, okay, okay, that's not the North Star. But every time you look up to the sky, where there's no city lights, you can see that amazing scenery, right? And you will remember when you were a child, you will sing this song. Right? You remember this song? Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Today is a family service, so the children can sing together. Up above the world so high, like a diamond in the sky. Now, it's begin to sing this song. You, you, you kind of wonder to yourself, ah, oh, you know, the star's so nice, like a diamond. But actually, stars are very big, Stars are not little diamonds <laughs> that you can kind of just pick with your hands. And if you know that our sun is one of the stars, I was uh, talking to my son. You know my son, uh, not the sun. My son. He was 10 years old, 11 years old, and I was telling him, hey, son, you know the sun? He said, oh, yeah, 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 the sun is a star also. Daddy, I tell you, because he, he loves uh, studying the solar system. So... I asked him, do you know the characteristics of stars? So he told me a little bit about it. And I was Googling also. Huh? So now if you think about the stars, you think about the characteristics of stars, one thing you will know, that brightness depends on how they burn. That means the stars, if you want to know how bright they shine, it depends on how much they burn. How much they burn. Because when there's... Hydrogen enough, hydrogen, the stars are brighter. And I thought to myself, I say, wow, that, that is the true picture and the description of Christians, isn't it? Now, Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are like the stars. We are to be the light. And if you are burning, you are on fire, you are really radiating with the love of God, then people can see your brightness. Well, there's another thing about the stars. The stars don't take a break from shining. Amen? And you hear of Christians saying, I need a break. You know, I serve enough already. I need to take time off. Yes, I'm not asking you to overwork and burn out. I'm trying to say that as Christians, the light that is in us will always be burning whether you are taking a holiday or not. Amen? So whether you are in Israel or in Korea or in Japan, eating your sushi, Sunday, attend church. Wherever you are, witness. 
Wherever you go, you don't switch off and switch on as a Christian and a non-Christian like this because just like the sun that continues to shine day and night. You know, when you don't see the sun, the sun is still there, amen? <laughs> the sun is, that did not disappear at night. Just that we didn't see it because we are facing the wrong direction. The sun is always shining. And how bright the sun is shining depends on how much it is burning. But however, will the sun stop shining? Will the stars ever stop shining? Yes. Because if stars stop shining, they become dead. And when they become dead stars, they become a black hole. Why is the black hole so dark? Because it is dark and dead and it actually exhausts. In fact, it absorbs so much that even light cannot be seen. And friends, this is a perfect illustration to remind us as Christians that God has called us to be the light. And to be the light, we must continue to shine. We must burn on, not burn out. Huh? We don't burn out. Uh, these days, people ask me, how are you? Are you okay, uh, Chris? Because you are going this, going that. I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am overwhelmed a little bit sometimes. But I'm reminding myself, yeah, I want to burn on for Jesus Christ. I don't want to burn out. Amen? Because if we burn out, uh, it's not good for anybody. But if we burn on, we will continue to see the grace of God in our lives. And so today, we turn to Matthew chapter 5, just three verses. All right? Three verses. Let us read together. Matthew chapter 5, 14, 15, 16. Together, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But understand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. And today, there's three things I want you to learn from this very simple passage. First of all, we need to remember that light is not meant to be covered. Nobody light a lamp and keep it covered. Light is not meant to be covered. And therefore, our conviction in Jesus Christ must be evident. Amen? People can see whether you are convicted about something. If you love ice cream, people will know. If you love Mao Sang Wang Durian, people can smell it from far. <laughs> Whatever that you are passionate about, you are convinced about, people will hear about it. It is not covered. If you are dating and you love your girlfriend very much, you will be talking about your girlfriend. If you love your wife, you'll be talking about your wife. That's why I quote my wife quite a lot. Huh? My wife is somewhere here. So you know you will be talking about them because you care about them. And therefore, light, when it is lit up, it must not be covered. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Put it under a basket. There's no such thing as secret Christian. There's no such thing as underground Christian, but there's underground church for the purpose of propagating in an environment where it's restricted. But at some point of time, you can no longer hold it as a secret because it's meant to be spread. 
And therefore, we must remember that light is meant to shine. It's meant to be set on a hill. Two days ago, three days ago, I was invited to Changi Prison, not as a prisoner, but to go there and share the Word of God and to witness a graduation. And in the graduation, I was very touched by a testimony given by this guy called Jonathan. Jonathan accepted Christ one year ago in prison. He was involved in gangs. He was due to be released, I think, in a year or a few months later. But when he was going through the program, God touched him and he became a Christian. And during the graduation, he came up and he shared two things that God changed him. The first thing he said was vulgarity. Now, imagine that. Sometimes we have youths, even in Singapore, in church, who are not in prison, who don't care about vulgarity. But this guy who was in prison, surrounded by vulgarity, witnessed the grace of God in his life, read the Bible, and he came out and said, you know what, when I was in the Christian program, I look down on those people who come into the program and then score vulgarity. I come to the Christian program, that means only a 20 to 30 of them in class, and there are still people who score vulgarity. So he said he was judging them. But then God told him, aren't you the same? Because when you go out of the classroom, he starts speaking vulgarity. So he told God, but at least in the class, I didn't score what? It's like us saying, you know, at least in church, I didn't sin what? First of all, for the two hours, he became holy. But then he was so convicted, he said that, I prayed so that when I go out, I will not say any more vulgarity. And you know, he's quite a jovial, loud person. And after a while, people noticed that he was quieter, mellowed, turned to him and say, hey, Jonathan, are you okay or not? Now you're quite quiet. Huh? You know, people who keep scolding vulgarity, huh, when they lose that vocabulary, huh, they don't know what to say. <laughs> so he become quieter, mellowed. He said, no, 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 I was... Just trying not to score vulgarity. Don't tell dirty jokes. Wow, I was so blessed. And then the second thing he said was this, because he was involved in gangs, and most of the people who are involved, you know the gang system still runs in the prison? They, they still have the gang system, and you know you have to pay your tithes inside. Now. <laughs> and it was interesting to me. Because many of them who want to change, they will always tell them, if you want to change, you must renounce. You must renounce your gang. And it's very difficult to do that. And he stood up and he said, I have decided to renounce my gang. And in order to do that, much later when I talked to some of the workers there, they say, you know, for them to renounce, if they truly want to make it public, 400 over inmates who are in the gang will be seated there holding a ceremony in prison. And he has to walk up there and say, I am renouncing this gang. From today onwards, I have nothing to do with this gang. And that day will be the day of persecution. Everybody will be scolding him, cursing him. When he steps down, everybody will be persecuting him. And that is the cost he's willing to pay even in prison. Friends, if a guy like Jonathan, who is surrounded by vulgarity, surrounded by gang, living in darkness, and yet for him to be able to make the kind of commitment to me, I think his light is bright. Amen? C.S. Lewis once says this, The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ and to make them like little Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, the clergies, the missions, the sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose but to draw all men unto Him. 
And therefore, shine, my brothers and sisters. Shine like never before. Shine. But today we lack motivation. Paul says, love compels me. I do not know what compels you, but I know what compels me to eat durian. <laughs> my desire. But if my desire is for Christ, then love compels me. We lack motivation because we are fearful. And I want to say this honestly, that even when I share the gospel to people, I have the fear of rejection. So I'm like you. We are the same. We are afraid that our friends will never become friends with us anymore if we are too aggressive with our gospel sharing. But however, the Bible says this in Luke 10, 16, that the one who hears you, hears me. The one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sends me. So we must remember that let us not be offensive in sharing the gospel, but if the gospel content is offensive to them, remember they are offended because they reject God, not you. And friends, if we are willing to shine, let us be willing to stand on His truth. Number two, we are afraid of saying the wrong thing, right? Sometimes when you share, you fumble, but the Bible says this in Luke 12, 11 and 12, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit, everyone say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is with you, in you, working, partnering with you, whispering to you. You just have to be sensitive to hear what He's going to teach you in that very hour you ought to say. So fear of rejection, God says, don't be fearful of men. Fear of speaking wrongly, the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to help you to say what is correct. And finally, I think many of us in Singapore are busy. We are afraid of Ah, we are afraid of feeling very troublesome. I have this experience of uh, feeling troublesome and I repented. There was a day many years back when I was serving till very late. And that very night, I came home nearly about 11.30. And I was, uh, was about to take my shower. My wife stopped me and said that someone is looking for you. I said, who? He said, someone whom we are not familiar heard from a Christian in the school who is an auntie of someone. <laughs> and it just keep going. Uh. So this is far, far away. Uh. I've never seen this person. My wife never seen this person. But my wife was picking up people, uh, picking up my children in the school. And she heard this. And they were, they were looking for some pastor. And they looked for me because they knew my wife. And then my wife said, they said that you must go and visit their house immediately. I said, 11.30, hello? I'm very tired. And he said, no, they tell me the daughter is demon-possessed. Wow, all the more, I don't want to go. <laughs> I said, demon-possessed for how long already? He said, I don't know why you ask this question. Because I said, if already one day, a few more hours, never mind, I want to bathe. <laughs> Let them be possessed for a little while longer. <laughs> Since already, quite long already. 
<laughs> Joel, forgive me, but I was so tired. I said, let me bathe, can or not? Anyway, I went to the shower, and while you're showering, of course, God spoke to you and said, hey, Chris, you better go. And to be honest, I was quite worried because I, I don't really do a lot of deliverance. I did some. I don't really do a lot, but that was one of those incidents that I was hesitant. And then I decided to call Constance. I said, Constance, hey, go with me, leh. She said, okay, lah, okay, lah. So we went. And to cut the long story short, what we heard was this, this little girl holding the balloon that I gave her. She suddenly kind of manifests and starts scratching uh, her parents. Parents are non-Christian and wanting to bite and wanting to keep saying, I want to kill you, I want to kill you. So they got worried. And they are non-Christians. And you know, they, they, they look for Buddhist monks, they look for a lot of people. Uh. So anyway, I saw some Buddhist monks was around the facility. Probably they, have, they came also. And me and Constant came, and we went there, we ministered to them, and the daughter calmed down. And after that, I shared the gospel, and the whole family came to know the Lord. Whole family. <laughs> and it's amazing. And uh, that night... We, we were sharing with them. I, I went to visit them a few more times, brought them Christian literature. Uh, they were staying in Bukit Panjang, so we connected them with uh, Covenant Evangelical Free Church. So I, I witnessed uh, that I give the fruit to another church. <laughs> so I asked them to continue the follow-up. And I kept in contact for a while, and after that, I dropped my contact. But amazing story. And when I was there that night, uh, I was saying, wow, praise God, you know, praise God. But before that, I was saying, let them be possessed for a while longer. <laughs> you, you know how contradicting we are? And, and sometimes you are like that because if you, it's very mafan, it's very troublesome. And, and in order to help us to understand this, we must know that it is urgent because the Bible says that there is a great chasm between the living and the dead. There is a great chasm between heaven and hell. The Bible talks about this story. I will not go into detail, but you know the story. Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus was the guy cried out for the rich man to have mercy, but the rich man did not. When they died, the rich man was suffering in hell, but Lazarus was there in heaven. And then the rich man said, can you please ask Lazarus to help me? He said, sorry, there is a great chasm. And then the rich man said, can you let me go back and tell my family members I'm dead? I want to tell them how terrible hell is. And then the Bible says this. He says, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone should rise from the dead. Friends, this is urgent news. This is something that will remind us that heaven is real, hell is real. God is eternal. His word is eternal. The souls of men and women are eternal. It's either in heaven or in hell. You know, when the Bible talks about the transfiguration in Matthew 17, verse, verses 1 to 12, it talks about two persons that appear together with Jesus. Can you remember who are the two persons? It was Elijah and Moses. Elijah represents the prophets and Moses representing the law. When they disappear, the voice of the father say, listen to my son, because my son is the personification of the law and the prophets, the complete version of scripture, the word with us, the word made alive. 
The incarnation come. And so 2 Peter 1, 16 to 21, Peter wrote about this in his letters and said, we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. He was describing the transfiguration. And in verse 17, he says this, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice was born to him by the majestic glory says this, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Friends, we have the complete gospel message. So shine. Don't cover up. If you have the cure to cancer, you will tell everybody the cure. That's why Paul says this, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. So light is not meant to be covered. Number two, light is meant to bring hope. Turn to your neighbor and say, light is meant to bring hope. When people look at you, do they see hope? You know, when you have, I say when you have conviction, it will be seen, it will be evident, but when you have compassion, you feel for people, it must come with action. Amen? It must come with action. Philippians 2, 15 to 16 says, do all things without grumbling or complaining so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in this crooked and twisted generation. And we mentioned today that we are living in this world. It's crooked, it's perverse, and we need to hold fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, we may, or Paul may be proud. That's what he told the church. Paul says, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. And so for us, in the same way, let us shine as lights in this world. Hold fast to the truth. Be the good news. Because of time, I'm going to just share one story. Okay, there's two stories, but I'm going to just share one story. This is the time where before grab, huh, I was always asking uh, God to show me how I can bless people. I call it MAD, make a difference. So everywhere I go, I will hunt for people that God is showing me and then bless them. And so there was this time when I was driving out, I saw this couple, this old couple on the left, and they were waiting for a taxi and they were waited very long. And when I drove out, I know that the timing is hard for them to get a taxi. And I was on my way to somewhere in Tiong Bahru, and I stopped and asked them, where do they want to go? And they said they want to go to ICA building. So I said, okay, ICA building is a bit different from where I'm going, but nevertheless, I brought them there. And I was bringing them there, I was having a conversation with them, telling them, and I become the good news to them. And it's not the only time I actually pick up strangers. But of course, after Grab come, it was a bit hard because people always think I'm trying to make money out of them. Before that, uh, I was picking up strangers, putting them there, and they always think that I am a, free, I am a taxi service, underground taxi service. So when, when he uh, reached the place, he came down. So this, this nice, cute uncle took out $10, no? And then he wanted to give me money. I said, no, 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 I'm not a taxi driver. I said, I just want to bring you here, that's all. And then he said, no, 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 I need to give you money. You, you sent us here, we need to pay you. I said, no, 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 I cannot take your money. So you know, uh, the scene was like, my car is there and we were running around the car. <laughs> he was running after me with $10. I was saying, no, no, no. Finally, I hopped in and I said, bye-bye. And I blessed them and I drove off. And there are many instances where I thought that, you know how I wish that we could just be that good news, bring hope to people. Don't bring despair to people, lah. Don't come to the environment and everything dies. Go into the environment and everybody is happy to see you. Amen? 
And the next thing you need to know to bring hope is that you need to know content, the content of the gospel message. You need to know the content of how the gospel truly changed life. You know, there was a young preacher that wanted to be a minister, went to apply for a job in church, and the board interviewed him and asked him uh, just a Bible quiz. Uh, he said, can you tell us the story of the Good Samaritan? And then he said, yes, of course I will. I will surely tell you. Once there was a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked him. <laughs> and as he went on, he didn't have money. He met the Queen of Sheba, and she gave him 1,000 talents of gold and 100 changes of raiment. And he got into a chariot and drove furiously. And when he was driving under a big juniper tree, his hair caught on the limb of that tree. And he hung there many days and many nights. The ravens brought him food to eat and water to drink. And he ate, and he ate 5,000 loaves of bread and two fishes. <laughs> One night when he was hanging there asleep, his wife Dalila came along and cut off his hair. And he dropped and fell on stony ground. But he got up and went on and it began to rain. And it rained 40 days and 40 nights. <laughs> he hid himself on a, in a cave and he lived on locusts and wild honey. Then he went on and met a servant who said, Come, take supper at my house. He made excuse and said, No, I won't. I have a married wife and I can't go. The servant went out in the highways and the byways and compelled him to come. After supper, he went on and came down to Jericho. And when he got there, he looked up and saw old Queen Jezebel sitting down way up high on a window. She laughed at him and he said, Throw her down. And he said, Throw her down again. And they threw her down 70 times, 7 times. And of the fragments, they remain. They pick up 12 baskets full besides women and children. Then they say, blessed are the peacemaker, P-I-E-C-E, peacemakers. Now, whose wife do you think she will be in the day of judgment? He got a lot of content, but all the wrong content. And sometimes when we share the gospel, it's like that. I mean, this is a bit exaggerated, but... We share a lot about many things, a lot about blessing, a lot about church work, a lot about coming to do things in church, but we fail to tell them there is a God who loved them so much that will redeem them, that will turn their life around, that will exchange that brokenness with perfection at the cross. Friends, we need to understand that while the light is not meant to be covered, it's meant to bring hope. This is a season of hope. Amen? This is a season where we must look for opportunities. We must find them and see from the eyes of faith and become the good news for people. Know the content. Look for opportunity. Bring the gospel out. You notice that for this season, actually, SP told us that every preacher ought to talk about evangelism during this season. Praise God, this is my pet subject. So every time I come here, I can tell you all these stories. So for the next few weeks in this period, you have been hearing me telling you all these stories, telling you my own experience. Why? Because I want you to know that I am like you, fear of rejection, fear of being troubled, fear of many things. And yet when I stand out there, and be a channel of blessing, I begin to see the miracles of God, the hand of God, the grace of God, the power of God coming upon the lives of all these people who need Jesus Christ. And finally, light is meant to impact others. It's meant to impact others. It's meant to give hope. It's meant to change. 
people who hang around you long enough, they will begin to be passionate about the things that you're passionate about. I always tell people, if, if I can be the man who people hang around and they feel passionate about evangelism, then praise God. I know that people hang around me, they start to like to eat Maosan Wang Durian <laughs> because I'm passionate about it. So, you know, uh, Joseph also. So every now and then we say, yeah, we need to eat some durians. Or people who love climbing, you know, we hang around and say, oh, you know, I need to climb. Uh, but commitment must come with sacrifice. Sometimes I, I tell my wife, I say, you know, nowadays no time to do this, no time to do that. But then he say, but you, you always have time to run. <laughs> yeah, because I love running. Jason laughing over there because once he come back from Korea, I see him uh, start running already. Um, I have friends who run, running is the passion, uh. If they don't run, they feel like the whole day something is wrong with them. Runners feel that way. The runners high. Uh, climbing the same. So I, I realized that, hey, actually, I made a lot of excuses about many things. Because if I'm passionate about something, they will see it, and people will see it. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father. In a moment's time, I'm going to close uh, for communion later. But there's a script that I heard before. I want to share this script with you. It's called the Candle Script. And this is the story. A few nights ago, something peculiar happened. A thunderstorm caused... <laughs> Obviously, it's planned, huh? And the thunderstorm caused a blackout in our neighborhood. <laughs> so the lights went out. I felt my way through the darkness into the storage closet where we keep the candles for night like this. I took out a match and lit four of them. And then four candles were lit. When I was turning to leave with the largest candle, the largest candle in my hand, and then I told myself, you know what? I'm going to put this in the living room because this is the largest, the brightest. And when I was about to go, I heard a voice that said, hold it right there. So I turned and said, who said that? I did. And then I said, who are you? And the voice said, I'm a candle. <laughs> and the candle had this face <laughs> that was on the candle. I lifted up the candle to take a closer look. You won't believe what I saw. There was a tiny face in the wax, a moving, functioning, flesh-like face, full of expression and life. Don't take me out of this place. I said, what? I said, don't take me out of this room. The man said, what do you mean? I have to take you out. You are a candle. Your job is to give light. It's dark out there. But you can't take me out. The candle said, I'm not ready. He explained with pleading eyes. I need more, more preparation. So the man said, I couldn't believe my eyes. More preparation? Yeah, I've decided to do a research on this job of light giving so that I won't go out there and make a bunch of mistakes. You know, you'll be surprised how distorted the glow of untrained candle can be. It's all right. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually reading some books, Burn Brightly. This is my latest book. Have you read it? He said, all right then, all right then. You're not the only candle. I'll blow you out and take the others. 
And just when I was about to take the other candles, they say, we are not going either. I turn around and look at all the other candles. They say, you are candles and your job is to give light. And the candle at the far end say, that's what you think. But, you know, I'm quite busy right now. I cannot go out. See, you're busy. Busy with what? I'm busy with uh, meditating. I'm meditating on the importance of light. In fact, it's quite enlightening. And what about you too? The short, fat, purple candle with plum cheeks spoke up and said, I'm waiting to get my life together. I'm not stable enough. You can say I'm a hot head. And the last candle said, with a very nice voice, I like to help, but lighting the darkness is not my gift. I'm a singer. I sing to the other candles. That's my gifting. I sing to encourage them to burn more brightly. And so she started to sing, This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. And soon all the candles were singing, This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. And none of them are gonna shine. And after a while, the wife was so angry. He said, Dear, what are you doing? He turned around and said, Well, I was looking for candles. How come so long? He said, These candles don't work. And then the man asked the wife, Where do you get all these candles from? The wife said, You remember the church that closed down across the road? I got the candles from there. Friends, in this darkness, I brought this shirt. I huh? don't know whether you can see it. Huh? Can you see the words? Can't really see. Huh? Supposed to glow. Huh? But you're supposed to put near the light. <laughs> then can glow. But when it lost its glow, it's not because it cannot glow. It's because it didn't stand enough time with the light. Because if I put long enough, it will start to glow again. But I have this very powerful thing. <laughs> right? Can you see the light? Now, those of you who have handphone, and I know all of you have, yes, I see one. If you can just shine your light all across the auditorium, can you see that? Can you look around and start to see how powerful this is? This is what we are meant to do. And the more you do that, just look around across the auditorium. It's a beautiful sight from this angle. But I want you to know that light shines the brightest. It's shines the brightest in darkest places. And therefore, we must not miss out on all the opportunities. Because at the cross, Jesus Christ said this, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And there was a painting of Jesus Christ crucified on the cross and one man, young man, saw this picture and below there was an inscription that says this, all these I've done for you, what have you done for me? And that young man is called Zingzendorf. Zingzendorf went off to start the Moravian mission and many people went out to be that light. And so, Today, I started with Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. I want to end off with a new version that I rewrite. 
and it's called Twinkle Twinkle Christian Star. Twinkle Twinkle Christian Star. How I wonder what you are. Spread across the world we go, giving hope to those who don't. Loving God by what you do, for God can see and can't be fooled. So twinkle, twinkle, Christian star, may you shine brightly wherever you are. Let us pray. Father, we come before you and ask you to forgive us for that missed opportunities. But Lord, today we are here to be reminded that we are the light just that you said you are the light of the world. You've empowered us. You have commissioned us. You have sent us out in the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can shine brightly wherever we are. So teach us, Lord, as we go off from here today, as we receive communion, to remember those who are weak and to remember those who are in despair and also those who are fearful, Lord. Lord, we know many people are hiding sometimes in the closet. The world is forcing them to come out of the closet, but yet when they come out, they are terrified. But you know who they are. And as a church, we want to be the place of comfort. We want to be a safe place. So help us. Help us to bring hope and love to these people. In Jesus' name, amen.